How you doing? It is L.A. Lloyd today. Uh, we got Duff McKagan. It's uh, been forever since he co-hosted the show because we've never had him here as co-host. So. Co-host. Right. You're going to be co-host. I'm a co-host. Co-host for the next three hours, man. Nice, man. So, so we're right. glad to have you here. we got a lot to talk about, including your uh, your new solo album. Uh, so let's jump right into that, man. I mean, uh, you know, I, I after sitting here at the Scoot Inn, uh, it just seems like the perfect setting for you and Shooter in the band. I mean, this is, you know, outside Austin. I mean, I think this is going to be a really great show tonight. Yeah, I've done outside Austin with, with Velvet Revolver before. And, right. And there's kind of, there's a, there's a, there's no pun intended, there's an air to that, right. to playing outside in Austin. Right. I played Emo, or... Uh, uh, Stubbs. No, no, I played the other place. Uh, uh, is it Emo's? Emo's, yes. Yeah, I played yeah. that Oh, you played Emo's. Wow. Yeah. I played the wow, I didn't club. go to that show. I it was loaded. That was probably 1999. Yeah, or so. yeah. Um, but I, I like this town a lot. I've had. I've been coming here for a long time, Guns N' Roses included. Um, and um, this this tour with Shooter and playing like this place with Shooter. I've never played the Scoot Inn. Yeah. Um, some of these places were playing like the. Played the Thalley Hall in in Chicago. Right, beautiful. 1892. This place built. I've wow. never played there, and and I've always kind of wanted to. Um, we played some places up in the Northeast, like wine city wineries. Yeah, where people are sitting down. <laughs> and I told the first crowd it was DC. I think we played, and I and I said, you, you guys, I've never played to a, an audience sitting down. Right, there was nice candles and oh, my wife had just told me right before. We went on. I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, <laughs> she said her and I went to this club in Seattle one night. Mm-hmm. This is called the Jazz Alley, and we saw like some Cuban jazz. Yeah, our kids were small, and we we went and we got a babysitter. And we went to this club and sat down mm-hmm. and watched. And she goes, "Don't remember what a good time we had? And we were off our feet. Yeah, and we had like a, you know, we could order some drinks and we had some food. I'm like, yeah, that was really these are what, what these people are doing. Wow, their kids are at home." They've worked all week. It's Friday night. They're going to come sit down. So Man, just, just just be in that moment with them. You've got to love a wife that can set the mood perfectly for you mentally, man. She's always says the perfect thing to me, man. Yeah. She really does. And and um, and touring this record and these songs with, with Shooter and, the, and his band is, you know, there's no reason for me to do a record right now. Right. Like, I'm in the middle of... My band's back together. Yeah. Guns N' Roses is back together, yeah. and it's you know it's like my bros. These songs we came up on, and and these things that made us all, right. you know, and and made me and and. Uh, but I it was I think we probably talked about it before. I was observations I made. I can't help but be an observationalist because I started writing that Seattle Weekly column in two thousand eight or seven or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was a weekly column. And when you're a columnist weekly, you start to observe things. You got to write about something new right. every week. And I and I became this. I just got got out of call at school um, right before Velvet Revolver. Really, I had to read. It was heavy, like business school. Yeah. I became a critical thinker. Right. And I became a critical thinker in all my reading. I read a ton of history, so I'd read like. Four sides of the same uh, Gettysburg. Yeah, yeah. You have to. The truth is in there somewhere, right? You can't depend on one person's, one author's right. view, or right. you know, although they try to do their best. Um, and so, what, observing and being a critical thinker and going out on that guns tour at a time that was, I, I got sucked down the rabbit hole of 
all of the, the I, I did it, man. I was just that sucker. Like I, I started watching all of the three different cable news networks. Right. And uh, it was like October ish, 2015. The debates were happening, and mm-hmm. and this div- new catchphrase, the divide. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what is this divide? I've been touring this country for <laughs> since 19 a punk rock band since 1981. Yeah, and really, like, I get out there, and especially now, like, I'm because I read so much history. Last 25 years, I go out and see places, historical mm-hmm. places, and when you do that, you talk to people. Right. And I go to diners and I do stuff and I go off the beaten track of a tour. Yeah. So it's not like, hey, the Guns N' Roses guys here. I'll go to Monticello. We're playing nowhere near there. <laughs> Little Bighorn. We're playing nowhere near wow, there. Wow, that's cool. Um, my point to that is, I, I was I was this divide thing, and and I kind of I read so much history. There has been catchphrases used before, you know. To um, uh, this time was to sell news, which was little. Uh, as kind of a journalist myself, because yeah. of a columnist, I, mm-hmm. I thought that was a, a rather base, crappy thing to do. Right. But but to, for people to stump on politically as well, and and I went out on the road. My point to all of this, I went out, out on the road, and, we, and our first Guns N' Roses first tour was America. Yeah, and I turned off all the news, and I muted everybody that I foolishly started to follow from watching all these news shows. Mm-hmm. I muted them all and went back to. Just following the Seattle Seahawks and the Seattle Mariners, why I got Twitter in the first place, <laughs> right? And and um, went out and talked to people and saw all my nerdy historical places, and there was a sigh of relief. You know, this divide that we're talking about is just it's just not there, man. Yeah. And and um, the America that I know and love, and I'm a, a proud American, is is still there and alive and well. We care for each other and we work with each other. And if you're a city person you if you work in a restaurant you get your produce from the country right. and you we all interwork with each other and somebody falls down you reach out your hand and pick them up totally right? and that's um, that's um, that and we do that around the world yeah you know we really do and and but but uh so i started observing this stuff and the divide and this and i started <laughs> writing pieces about it yeah for us for my third book mm-hmm um, and it, the, the book, I, I was sitting with acoustic guitar one night, in, in the rare occasion that I'm in my hotel room. I, I carry acoustic guitar with me at all times. Okay. And I, I started playing the, the two chords that became um, uh, It's Not Too Late. And that, that was, it was a starting of a, of a chapter, right. th- those words. Okay. So, um, so there's meaning behind this, when they're, and they're, we're doing some nonprofit stuff behind this for mental health and opioid addiction and homelessness and, and whatnot. So that's a really something I, I. So why a record now? You know right. why the hell? It's it's. I wanted to make this austere sort of musical piece of, of uh, something I want to do a long for a long time. This kind of music. I mean, it, it's for you. You did it for you, but at the same time, you're still giving something back. I mean, that's that's the great thing about it. I mean, obviously, you had some words to say, which turned into songs, and and I know as a whole uh, deal of getting it all together. But it seems like at the end of the day, now it's all done, and you're out here on the road. It seems like, well, I got that part done for me. Now I can start giving back to everybody else. Yeah, Is that right? yeah. And and the, I I, I hope my intention for the record the the was to heal, you yeah, know, yeah. and and not point fingers, just like him, you know, you guys, there's some issues out there, there's an opioid epidemic, there's homelessness, there's this and that, but together, 
the things that we've always progressed in this country is by us. Yeah. The we, the people, we're the ones who are, we're the bosses, you know, and we're the ones who are, we, we help each other and it's one person helping one other person. We can't solve all huge issues right now. It's one person helping somebody else. I got to tell you, though, man, you have got to battle, as we all do as Americans and, and globally, because social media has really made that big divide, I think. I mean, and, and there's some great things about social media. Don't get me wrong, but it's come a long ways from, like you said, following your favorite sports team or looking at dog and cat photos, too. Right. You know? So, I mean, is there a way to kind of bring people back in and say, you know, you're hiding behind this computer? Think about your words before you actually put them out there, because once they're out there, everyone sees them. We haven't learned. We're in our infancy. See uh, on social media and, and how to communicate. There. Right. Um, I, I dealt with that when I wrote because my column for the Seattle Weekly w- came online too on their dot com, okay. and some people would re- write to my column, and when they had something crappy to say, they would use anonymous. Right. And I said, "Look, guys, here's the deal. I write this column with my name on top. If you're going to respond to me, great." I take criticism, no problem. Yeah. But use your name. Use your real name. Right. And this is how newspapers in America started the editorial page. I mean, there was like four newspapers to every little village, sure. right? They didn't mm-hmm. print. And they had an empty page on the back. Right. And so people would write about some article in the paper. They put their name, like John Smith, you know, nine scuttle, scuttle lane. Yeah. And their address. Right. And somebody would maybe respond to that. So we we've been responsible in the past for our our words right. and put our name to it and put our address to it and um, and we just haven't learned how to do that with social media yet. One and, thing I've noticed is just you know uh, how people can be so critical of you know an artist's music or something like that and and then like you said they they kind of come across anonymous. But not, my thing is when I see stuff like that, I was like, would you walk up to Duff and say those same words to his face that you typed here like on no. his Twitter site or something like that? They will not. Yeah. Nobody. I mean, it's not just me to each other, you right. know, and that's what I found on that tour when I went out for two and a half years, not just in America, but in the world. Like we face to face, we have so much more in common with each other than separates us by, by a long shot. Yeah. And we treat each other cool. And, and whether it's in a gym, like, you know, you spot the guy that's, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, uh, out, I went, uh, on a, you know, a, 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 one of those airboat things looking for alligators oh, yeah, in Louisiana, okay. yeah, you yeah. know, and the guy's been doing it for 45 years. Right. And, you know, the most, you know, alligators like marshmallows. That made me think. <laughs> I had no I, idea. Oh, who, knew, who knew that? <laughs> and then you start thinking like, and then I'm like, is that where marshmallows got oh, their yeah, name? Right. We're in the marsh. I never thought about it. But that. we didn't talk about <laughs> politics at all, you know, and, and crossing borders of states. One's not red and one's not blue. Right. You know, it's the same America I've been touring since 1981. And we treat each other the same and we respect each other. And there's social media where some guy could go, you suck. But his name is like, you know, porpoise one, two, nine, you know, like, who are you, man? So I don't pay it. I I don't. I really don't look at uh, I post things on, on, you know, soundcheck. Uh, Krakow, right. you know, a picture of Sancha. I don't look for um, responses. I'm not. One, we're in this kind of like, is somebody liking me? How many followers do I got? <laughs> if I lose followers, I don't care. Yeah. And I think maybe we should just all get to that point. Like, 
doesn't matter. I think I heard somebody, my wife was saying, they're going to take away the likes or, or something like that on Instagram. Oh, really? Because it's creating this... Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I have to tell you, I follow the, the not so much this tour yet, I will, but uh, as you were documenting all the worldly places when you were on the Not In This Lifetime tour, I mean, you, you did an amazing job. Like I said, it's so cool seeing you stand on this empty stage, you know, before everyone comes in, it's just you and just this shot of you or maybe a video you put on Instagram. I love the way you document that stuff. I mean, I kind of feel like I'm right there with you, man. So you, you kind of are telling a really good story. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean... um, Getting to travel like that it, it is a, it's a blessing, um, and it, uh, my my girls got to grow up traveling. Yeah, you know, like my my daughter May, the youngest one. I did an interview with her the other day for Vogue <laughs> magazine. She wow. just had a line of clothes. She's a freshman in college. That's right? awesome. She's eighteen. Yeah, but she said she goes. I took my first steps on a tour bus. I'm like, you did, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> but you know um, wow that really brings it home they they got you know they had passports when they were infants yeah we, we traveled the world and there's different cultures and there's different to to celebrate you know um i mean i things that go through my head you know like we'll play little rock arkansas yeah like that cool stadium where the uh the, the college football team plays and I'm like, wow, I'm playing here. I've seen these guys on TV yeah, before. Yeah, and here I am. Here I'm playing this place. And you see the guy, you know, with the devil horns up and he's <laughs> rocking out, losing himself in the music. Yeah. I'm playing Kuala Lumpur, a Muslim country. Um, same rock crowd, losing their minds, and, and women with full head wow. coverings wow. with the same devil horns up, <laughs> losing their minds. That's great. There's no difference. What a right? life. What a life. Right? And you, you start to see this like, oh, we're all in this together. Like, especially when it comes to and, and if it, any bubble, we got these labels. No, you're in the bubble. You're in the, you're, you're, a, you're a lefty. You're a alt-right. All this crap, you know? Like, are we really? Uh, no. I think, you know, um, if there was any bubble I was in, it was one of a really great, like we played these huge places all over the world. And people just came. Nobody asked who you voted for, or your politics, or your your religion, or anything. It just came this 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 umbrella of of rock and roll. Yeah. That, that uh, and these songs that people we all it was like this huge community. Every night we played, you know, like the band and the audience was in it together. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the album a little bit because I know that's what we're here. We're going to play, right, play yes. a couple of tracks, but um, tell me about uh, Shooter. And I guess you're for, before we talk about how everything was in the studio. Just tell me personally, you and and Shooter's uh, history. Well, I met Shooter uh, with his band Stargun moved to L.A. Yeah, and I was there, down there from Seattle. Um, there was some house party or something, and a friend of mine said this. There wasn't a lot of rock and roll bands in 2001. The right. music, rock music was going through a weird oh, yeah. period. These young guys from Nashville, there's a rock band. So I went and saw them, and I met, I met Shooter. I didn't know the, the Waylon connection or any of that stuff. Oh, really? But I, I recognized him then as like, you know, one out of 10 kids are 21. There's, there's one of them that you know is a lifer. The other nine, <laughs> you're like, mm, yeah. if this doesn't work, they're, they're, they're out. Right. Um, and I recognized Shooter then as a, as a uh, kind of a true believer guy. And uh, then my band Loaded played some shows in L.A. And I got his band to open up. Oh, okay. And we got to know each other. 
he told me his story um, about his, his dad and his mom and like, oh, that's a really cool way to grow up. You right. grew up going on tour, so you know you know what the deal is. And and uh, we remain friends. He even in Velvet Revolver when we were looking for a singer, we were like oh, that's a shooter, you know. Yeah. And shooter, what I didn't know was like two of his biggest records that influenced his life. This shows our age difference is the two Illusions records of oh, Guns really? N' Roses. Like he yeah. knows those records backwards. He knows every liner note. Right. Like by by, by heart. Mm-hmm. Every lyric, every everything. So he was kind of too freaked out, he said, to come try out because there's Slash and me and Matt. You know? so <laughs> That's awesome. He's like, ah, I don't think I'd be right for that thing. Right. Um, so uh, we've known each other. And when I had these songs, I'd written all these songs on, on the tour I was on, we were speaking of. And... Um, my manager said, "You you got to make this. You got to do this now. Just just do it. Just mm-hmm. and we'll find somebody who can make this a, a reality." Right. And he came back to me like two days later. And he goes, "What about Shooter? Shooter wants to do it." I'm like that sounds perfect. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got back from that leg of the tour, uh, drove up to Shooter's house with my acoustic guitar. He had his piano up there, and we just started playing the songs and talking about instrumentation he brought up perhaps let's try two tracks with his band with Aubrey and John and mm-hmm. Jamie and uh, and they were perfect and once you add like pedal steel and and viol- fiddle yeah. into the song it takes this whole kind of left turn into that sort of Americana-ish how did you feel about that the first time you kind of heard it well there's such beautiful instruments mm-hmm. and you know meanwhile Shooter's doing like weird synth stuff and you know there was stuff he goes down the rabbit holes yeah. on or, or like church organ or like a layering type thing you mean to- well he's because we talked about we did you know we did the record analog mostly like nice. on tape okay. right because we want this thing to sound Timeless, and right. the way to do that is you kind of like got to go like seventies. We took we recorded the drums in stereo to any of you geeks out there that know about this stuff like us, and then then put them into mono. Okay, so that's a classic old school right. technique. Uh-huh. Uh, my vocal went. We went through a Beatles chain of wow. preamps that nice. Shooter knows all about. So there's no like on the vocal. There's no. Obviously, auto tuning—that's pretty obvious if you listen to the record. Yeah. But it's a very bare vocal. Just a, um, and and how did I feel about the instrumentation? Um, I just thought it was wonderful. Like we used some other guitar players too, mm-hmm. Jonathan Wilson, who who plays with Roger Waters. Okay. I'd heard a song by him on the radio, and I'm like, man, this guy is amazing. <laughs> he goes, I, Shooter, of course, knows everybody. Right. He goes, oh, I know that guy. You know, Let me he, call him. He's out, yeah, and he was in Africa with Roger Waters, <laughs> and he, re- he had a little rig, and he recorded wow. his tracks. You can even you can hear the, his AC turn on really? if you solo the track, and that's on tenderness. So even the AC sound of his room um, gave that song... Just a little ambience, huh? A little ambience. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so it shows we we did the record fairly quick. You know, the songs were done, and his band just really kind of understood the dynamic of each song, and and it was wonderful. I know uh, you you tell me that track listing obviously is still very important to you. Uh, just 
And maybe it's because of that's the way we've always we put a record on and we listen to it front to back when it was vinyl to CD to whatever it is. Still important to you? I mean, because obviously consumers will throw it on Spotify or whatever or download a song or something like that. So it seems like the I hate to say the younger generation have kind of lost a little bit of that art of the track listing to appreciate it. But, you know, what do you feel about it? We slaved over the track listing. Really? Of course. Wow. Yeah, That's I mean, great. we. I mean, Shooter is very in, into vinyl and listening to a record all the way through. Gotcha. And so, yeah, we paid a lot of attention. There was five of us: Shooter, myself, my manager, Mick Bob, who's my, my been my bass tech for thirty two years. Wow. He was there for the whole recording. We okay. had, uh, and and then Shooter's manager. We each had our track listing. Yeah. And they they were all kind of different, so we had to like settle on <laughs> what we thought was the best. And and Shooter has a really good ear for um, movement on an on an al- a full album. Mm-hmm. And what's been really cool, I mean, so surprising. The the first week the record's been out now for a week, and we went number one on vinyl in the country. That's great. Yeah, and it was like my manager showed me this list, and it had one through ten, and it had my name at one. Wow! And I thought I I said it's just this just a list of the new vinyl that's out. He goes, no, this is your number one in vinyl in the country, and number one at, <laughs> at like whatever the coalition of independent music sellers. Okay, with vinyl and CDs, so people are buying the the physical product. Yeah. Um. So maybe. Maybe that 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 track listing, you know, is working because mm-hmm. it is. It takes you through a journey. Um, we just uh, went through another birthday without Prince here on this earth, and uh. and I know, man, you're a. Well, I really didn't know about this till I saw some of your posts. Uh, I don't remember if it was Instagram or what it was, but I, I never realized till recently what a huge influence uh, Prince was on you, and I was just kind of curious. You know, maybe if you could talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, I I was um, Prince. I discovered Prince. A, a, I was a punk rock kid playing punk rock bands, but at that time, seventy nine and eighty, punk rock was this wide open thing where we listened to the Sweet and ACDC and Motorhead, yeah, and ABBA and just sure. everything, yeah. right? Anything that was good and cool, right? <laughs> and so a friend of mine said, "Man, you got you got to hear this guy Prince." He at that time, I played drums and I played bass and I played guitar. He like, okay, he does. He plays all the stuff like you do, but I heard the, I was. I think it was Controversy Records, so yeah. maybe it was eighty. Wow, and that's um, going way back. And it just freaked me out. And I went back and bought his first two records, Prince and uh, For You is the first record right. in Prince. And um, I went down the rabbit hole. In nineteen ninety nine, came out. And there was a lot of heroin had come into Seattle at that point. It's about 83 or whatever, beginning of 83. And uh, I just I would listen to that double record just over and over. And, and even my roommate was strung out. My girlfriend got strung out. Everybody in my band, everybody around me, it seemed the world was closing in, wow. the heroin world. And there was a song on that record called Something in the Water You Drink. Apropos to nothing that was going on in my life, but just the mood of that song would kind of save me. Wow. And it, it really, that record gave me the the courage. Somehow, some, some people say a record saved their life. This record didn't save my life, but it, it did 
gave it gave me the courage to to move by myself to LA. Yeah. And do something, get out. Right. While I could. Right. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Um great story. Thank you for sharing that today. You're, you're welcome. Um Chip Away uh, has been getting some radio airplay recently, and and I know it's a lot of times when you go to you know, back to selecting a song that might go out to as a single, if you right. will. And that's always been kind of a hard question because, like, if you could always pick the right single, we'd all be gazillionaires. But right. when it came down to Chip Away or picking one that says, "Okay, this is one we're we're shooting out to radio or whatever source may play it," you know satellite radio whatever what's what's the selection process for a single this in 2019 i mean i don't think we chose a single like we just like <laughs> radio started playing that yeah. one and yeah. it started with outlaw country and then in, in the uk i guess they're playing the, the crap out of that song okay um so it just kind of happened organically just, then yeah I, we didn't serve they call it service a single yeah yeah necessarily right right we did make a radio edit of that song yeah just in case because i say some naughty drop words drop the f-bomb occasionally yeah yeah that's okay well that's a good song glad to be playing it man yeah yeah um how about videos? Now, you know, back when, like you said, the early days of Guns N' Roses, I mean, video, MTV was just really taking off. I mean, it was it was a really lot of thoughts most of the time that went into these videos. Yeah. Uh, we can pick up our phone right now and watch any video we want that's ever been pretty much created by any band. Uh, is videos important to you still? Um, I, I think we should probably make a video. <laughs> We've been so busy, you know, with right. this whole thing and... And I do have Guns N' Roses stuff going on, and I do have a family. And suddenly, like, we're on this tour, I'm like, should we have a video? (laughs) um, So maybe we'll film something when we get to Seattle. I know some people there. Like, it's impossible. Like, how do we do a video Mm -hmm. on the road? Anybody out there, well, this comes out in two weeks. Yeah. If you're good, like, uh, illustrate or something, or you, like, make cool cartoons you're putting it out there huh yeah putting it out there make us a video <laughs> you yeah. might get hit by yeah. a lot of people man uh well i tell you what uh let's do one thing before we close it out today and uh we'll do an artist pick we, obviously we'll play uh, chip away since that's kind of the quote-unquote single but give me another yeah. one of your your picks from the album it can be two if you want to from, Just, the, from my record. yeah from tenderness yeah oh geez and tell me why uh, you chose it mm, well there's a song that really kind of I, I I wrote I read JD Vance's Hillbilly Elegy. I don't okay. know if you know that book. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, it really it, it really it struck me. Uh, they're making a movie of it now. Uh, my wife says I should work for studios because every book I read there's a movie. Um, <laughs> she's onto it. She's onto it. It's, uh, it's called Falling Down. Okay. I love it. All right. Yeah. We'll definitely play that one, man. And uh, for uh, for those of you traveling to Austin uh, later in the year, uh, we have our big festival here, the Austin City Limits uh, Music Festival that Guns N' Roses is going to be playing at Zilker Park here in October. So yes. I'm glad to get to see you here in a smaller venue tonight right. because, you know, there's 50,000, 60,000 people a day. And it's, you know, it's unless and you... I, and I'll big time you there. Like, I pretend like I, I don't. Of course. You yeah. want to say, oh, L.A. guy. Get him yeah, out of yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But get back and get some barbecue and uh, feel like a Texan because I mean you get you get two weekends here which I think is really cool for bands that play ACL you know how happy I was when Stubbs finally they went 
national with, yeah. with the barbecue. Oh, sauce. really? So yeah. you're happy you can get it anywhere? I mean, I know it's you know for Austinites, you're like, oh, you got to go to this other barbecue. Right. I get that every time. Oh, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm going to Stubbs. That's my my joint. Yeah, that's my, I love that. Place. Are, are you a are you a foodie? Are you you like to cook yourself? I mean, you get to travel all over the world and sample all these different foods. Are, are you? What do you? What do you? What are your feelings on that? I got to tell you, I. I, I I eat really healthy, and I and if I'm not with my wife, I forget to eat. To be honest with you, <laughs> wow. So uh, when my wife's on the tour with me, she, no, we go to really cool restaurants. Yeah, talking, and we'll eat the local whatever. Right, you got to. Yeah, when you go to Kuala Lumpur, right, yeah, um, you can't get ham. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, no, but you yeah. go to you know, Abu Dhabi, you go to uh, Johannesburg. Right. Oh my God! Yeah, food there is amazing, and and all through Europe, Italy, you gotta have the good pasta. And um, but I I I'm not so much a foodie tonight for after show food. I'm getting stubs. Okay. Is your uh, wife on tour with you now? No, she's not. So you haven't been eating well, is what you're saying? I just, you know, I, I, I understand. I, I mean, I just worked out too. You're supposed to eat yeah. like within an hour and a half right. after you work out. Yeah. Um, but I'm so like, where do I get something to eat? Yeah. You know, uh, my wife will go out and get something to eat. She's good like, like you that. You have to eat. Yeah. Now. I don't get like uh, crabby, you know. Right. So it's people can't really tell if I have meat or not. <laughs> I just start losing weight. Well, you look very healthy, man. You look like you're uh, I water. Mean, well, yeah, water's good, very much. So. Water's key. Yeah, you got to have it. So, um, yeah, I take you know vitamins. I do take care of myself, and I I do eat. I don't starve myself. I I don't want to come off like that. So, but I like I see. I'll just eat that that meat <laughs> and cheese, and that's satisfies the appetite. Does it? Yeah. I, I carry almonds with me. Okay. That's good. Yeah. You know, one question I, I wanted to ask you also, you mentioned this earlier about when you went back to school and, you know, the, the story I'd heard was, you know, like, obviously you'd done pretty well in your career with Guns N' Roses. Then you had some time, obviously, outside of the band when that all kind of imploded there earlier and you decided to go back to school. And was it economics or finance? I mean, because obviously, finance. you know, you see so many people, uh, celebrities especially, who have made a lot of money very fast. And then all of a sudden, five years later... They don't have any money yeah. anymore. I mean, was that kind of your wake-up call? The, my wake-up call was getting sober. Yeah. Yeah. My wake-up call was in the intensive care unit at <laughs> Northwest Hospital well, in Seattle, Washington. That'll do it. So I had a lot of time to think in the two weeks I was in the hospital. And mm -hmm. one of the things I thought about was, I don't even know what money is. And, yeah. and, and I, for the most part, none of us do. You know, I grew up in a blue collar. My dad was a fireman. There was mm -hmm. eight kids. You do the math. Wow. Um so I didn't know what money was. I I come from punk rock. You know, I, I still live a very simple life. You know, if mm -hmm. you were to hang out with me, you would I, I don't floss. I don't we've I've done well financially and 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 I went back to school. I went not back, I went to school. Right. I yeah. got a GED. So yeah, okay. people say you oh, you went back to school. No, I went to school. <laughs> um and I, uh, I got so into it, and I just want, I'd made money in my twenties. I didn't know what a stock or a bond or what risk meant or mm -hmm. what a mortgage really was. Right. And you know, you're too embarrassed to ask people because you're supposed to know. You've made all this money. You're supposed to know. And, yeah. and so I got into school, and I was that 
student always raising their hand like <laughs> can you say that one more time right please? right and uh then i got had some good professors later on in my in my later years of school that i could bring in like guns and roses financial statements i'd black out the numbers right but can you help me read this yeah like uh, let me help me put this together and so i was learning things that i needed to learn like every day that's great that I was in school so it really helped me and um how did the other students treat you? Pretty, pretty it was normal. Such a hard, it was very hard school. Yeah, um, that I got into, and so classes were so tough. I cut my hair off, um, and uh, you know, I mean, once in a while, somebody hey, could you sign? I was much older than them. <laughs> yeah. I was thirty-two, and right. they were like nineteen. Right, right. Um, Typical college. So, but you know, once in a while, you hey, could you? I need to do this. Could you sign my CD? Or uh, well, but, you seem like a very approachable guy. I don't think you would ever shun anybody back. But I mean, I guess in that that situation and yeah. surrounding is a little different. Yeah, it was just, it was a small Seattle University, Seattle U, go Red Hawks. Yeah, yeah, um, there you go. Um, I think four thousand students wow. total. Wow. Um, we just moved up to Division One, though, in, in a basketball team. <laughs> it's going to be good. We, I'm just saying, still hey. saying we. Um, but, uh, no, it was it was just one of those experiences. Once the the thing of like, oh, that guy's rock band guy, you know. <laughs> once that was that was over. Then everything was okay. Yeah, once yeah. we were in those classes together talking about, right. uh, you know, macroeconomics or whatever. Yeah. The, you know, all that shine was off. Right, right, yeah. Well, man, I've enjoyed this conversation a lot today. Uh, I hope you will get the album and see Duff. Uh, the tour is running through, what is it? Uh, we end in uh, this U.S. leg, this uh, June 16th in my hometown of Seattle, Washington. Okay, okay. On Father's Day. Um, and then we're going to go off to Europe in August. Okay. And uh, I guess the record's doing very well over there. And, yeah. Um, that'll be fun to take these guys some places. Oh, yeah. They've been there bunch but not with like this it'll be a different thing and yeah. they, they've told me they're really excited to go there with with me that's you great know? man yeah well there it is it's tough mckagan everybody uh make sure you get the album it's called tenderness and uh you know uh see them uh live and and then i'll see you again in october man back here for the big the yeah big show, yeah the big crazy show for sure the big crazy shows yeah. uh Shows, uh, thank yeah. you and i'm so glad you know as a lifelong fan i mean uh that that part of your life is is back into place again. It's super I'm fun. So happy to see it's that. It's so positive. I mean, the guns thing. It's just so positive. Everybody's firing all pistons and and uh, friendships are are back and it's really really cool. Quite cool. I speak at uh, at school sometimes, like on career day, and the question it always comes like, well, "What's what's your all time favorite concert?" And I was like, "I have to tell you," and I go back to this one every time. It's it was the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Uh, when you guys were touring with Faith No More Metallica. Right. And at the time, notoriously coming on, uh, you know, late. And the curfew was at midnight. And, you know, everyone's like, whether they come on at, you know, 1130 or whatever, City of Pasadena is pulling the lights at, at midnight, you know. So you guys came on at 9 o'clock. 
almost a three-hour set. I mean, it was just so amazing. And then at the very end, you know, I think Axel said something like, Los Angeles, you have just been fucking rocked by Guns N' Roses. And he tosses the mic across that football stadium at yeah. the Rose Bowl. And it was like time just stood still. And, I, and the, the sound guy left the mic hot. It was like... Yeah. It's the most cool thing I've He's ever got seen. an arm on him, too. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, that yeah. thing went almost to the 50-yard <laughs> line, man. It was crazy. So, Well, thanks for taking some time today, man. You I really it. enjoyed it, dude. And uh, I can't wait to see My the show pleasure. tonight. All right, cool. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.